Welcome to episode 20 of LOI Weekly. This is going to be a discussion on Bray Wanderers and what's gone on in the last few days and what we expect to happen. Uh, this is Johnny Ward as ever with uh, Daniel MacDonald. We'll be joined by Neil Horgan who's going to laterally discuss Cork City's European prospects but also ruminate over what's been happening at the Carlisle grounds. Uh, Neil of course brought out two books on Cork City on the tumultuous time that he had at the club there and uh, it's going to be an interesting discussion shall we say first of all dan you're welcome as ever hi johnny yeah, yeah. it's a it's a retro feel to today really when you were talking about uh you know financial issues and a lot of themes um just writing about over the last couple of days which just remind me of stories um that i would have covered on a consistent basis um from sort of what 2006 through to yeah, 2011, 12. I mean, there's, there's always been stories there, but there was obviously that spade of them. And the Bray story is one that just brings you back to uh, a lot of old mistakes. And, and that's why Neil is probably the perfect guest because his book, um, his books, but particularly Second City, I find um, the, the, the one on 2009 season um, at Cork uh, offer a window into that time. And uh, I know Neil would make the point and we'll speak to him about it that, you know, you wonder have all the lessons necessarily been learned from it and Bray really have been making all the same mistakes and it's not really hugely surprising that we're in the situation that we're in given that um, they're the one team really throughout this season. I know we sometimes just, you know, we, we joke about it. I mean, how good is the league? Where is it at? And so on. Um, and, you know, we want to accentuate the positive, but also we have to deal with the negative in terms of things that are happening and the one thing that's been very hard to reconcile or to be really positive about this year has been the Bray story because you've got a team that's being up that's up there in the top four that's third at the moment doing very well but it's not a good story for the league it hasn't been a good story for the league because it was never going to go well it was never going to end well and if we want to have some kind of bright future for the game in the country here we cannot have sides competing at that end of the table where their foundations are in sand. Now, I know people will say that that is the case with many clubs in the league still that are supported by benefactors and, and people who could walk away at any point. And that's true. I mean, there are clubs in the league that would be affected if people went away. But the Bray story uh, with their attendances, you know, with the, the absence of people coming to games, um, and yet this massive increase this uh, outlay over the winter on players that was encouraging wage inflation. It was encouraging other clubs to overspend and, and not just getting Bray that into trouble. That was a point that you were making a lot as well. This. Not just getting Bray into trouble, but also getting other clubs into trouble or encouraging them to get into trouble, particularly in this really high stakes year with Domino 12, 12 effect to 10, that what they were doing last winter was really bad. And um, now we have this remarkable situation that, um, listening to Dennis O'Connor, I think people maybe to educate themselves a bit on this topic, um, you know, you can listen to Dennis O'Connor's interview on East Coast Radio. It's it's available on the on the old interweb, um, speaking about uh, the year break and even making the point that as recently as as April or as early in the season as April. Um, their main investor was threatening to pull the plug and the club was on a rocky footing at that point and it's only been delayed and delayed and delayed to this farcical half-time statement during a game last week where a club is laying out how bad things are. Um, it's it's a pretty grim story um, when we try and portray the league as a serious entity and even just the, the slapstick nature in which this has played itself out. A club releasing a statement at half-time in a game 
uh, where their players are out on the pitch doing their bit and probably getting in afterwards after a defeat and then realising that this uh, this sort of shitstorm has been unleashed um, during the course of a, of a Friday night. I mean, I was at, a, at another game, you know, Pat's Galway like yourself, and, and trying to compute this stuff that's coming through from the team that's third in the league at this point playing second. Um, there's no good spin on this at all. Um, it raises so many questions about how why Bray have done what they've they've done, why you know, why they are doing that in the bigger picture, how they were allowed to do that in the context of again another reminder that uh, the FBI's licensing process is just a laugh. I mean we know that anyway when we look at some of the grounds and and uh you know stadiums and, and conditions that, that players you know, training or or get showered in or whatever it might be. Um, there's like you know, there's blind eyes being turned here and there. A little derogation here. Well, yeah, okay, get that sorted for for the next time. Um, and the whole thing is pretty deflating and and demoralising. And you have this sort of unedifying scramble over the weekend. Uh, and naturally enough, it's doggy dog world. All these players, it seems, are free. Um, to go, it seems. It seems we'll come back to that maybe in a second. Um, all these players that you know are free to go. Naturally, every manager in the country is 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 notified by the PFI about this, and then they're scrambling looking for players here and there. Um, and it just, I think, for people from the outside who maybe tune into this very casually, tune into the league very casually, um, who may have you know, as Keith Long made the point today, um, at a, a press conference for Bowes. Actually, you know, Bowes and Pat's both doing press conferences today after speaking for ages, but how they're not doing it. And I'm glad that they were, but obviously this brave story is just hanging in the air. Keith Long making the point that um, you know, last year obviously the Dundalk story got people into things in a very positive way. Um yet this story today, the retro feel just brings people back to all the old headlines about Shells and Drada and Fingal and Dublin City and just presuming that nothing has changed. Uh, and it did feel like things were changing a bit in terms of the top clubs being responsible in terms of Well, the they were a they bit were of a pariah, weren't they, Bray? I mean, the, the other clubs seem to be doing things within means. They, yeah, they were pretty much. I mean, I'm not going to say everything's been perfect. There's exceptions to the rule. And even what Bray challenged clubs to do um, led to some other players in the league getting very good contracts off the back of what Bray were... That's very problematic. Yeah, what, what Bray were, were, were willing to do. and um, We understand that a player may have signed for Bray recently and was offered good money. That's our understanding. He didn't sign, obviously. But oh, no, sorry, yeah. Quite I recently, he was offered... In the last couple of weeks... Good money. Like, and even though... In a, like Dennis this O'Connor has said today, Dennis O'Connor has said today that from April, now you're taking Dennis O'Connor's interview on, on East Coast FM, and I'm taking his words, I'm not taking anyone else's words here, his words that were like their investor, that in April, in May, there was this threat hanging over them that the, you know, the, the, the plug might be pulled maybe on investment that was going to dry up. And yet, as recently as a couple of weeks ago, we know that you know, players were being offered, uh, you know, Eight nine hundred quid a week type money, so it, it really it, it paints a fairly erratic picture. Um, Do you blame you, the players at all? I I don't blame the players for signing who seem to have been utterly professional throughout all of yeah, this. Yeah, I don't I don't blame players for signing a contract that's put in front of them because I, I don't think we should. I made this point in a piece the other day. Like the the road to uh, stability and the road to a brighter place. It's never going to be reached by players taking like conscientious decisions about what contracts to sign and what contracts not to sign. Players aren't going to take a contract and necessarily look at it and go, is this the right money? Should I be offered this amount? I'm only getting this last year. I only got four or 500 quid last year. I've now been offered 900. This doesn't seem right 
But the players then say, oh, I'm not going to sign that. And then someone else will get that contract and that deal. Um, it is true that players at Bray, I mean, were, were warned and, and told this might happen. It's not their uh, fault, though. Like. Um, and they would take the attitude that maybe naively some believe that everything is going to be okay. That's the case. Uh, good players will always know they'll get another club somewhere else anyway if this thing goes tits up. There's a certain confidence that comes with that. Um, players will know that you know once they sign a contract for more than a year, it gives them certain rights and they can dig in when the time comes. That's it's not necessarily a pleasant business, but um, players will always will always sign a contract. They will always believe that this money, like in a league where there's very little loyalty, in a league where there's short contracts that you know 40 week contracts or whatever if a player sees something that's a bit longer than that that gives them some kind of notional rights beyond that or gives them more money than they would get elsewhere they're always going to sign it so uh, you would like to think that in an ideal world that every player will sit back and decide well this isn't right they're players they have a short career everyone's going to forget them Absolutely. five years and, and screw them over when they're injured and yeah. when they're older so it's not their place to to make the moral decisions uh, about what, what's right and what's wrong. This has to come from the top, in my in my opinion. It has but, to um, come from the top. We're on uh, obviously Podcast Republic, Stitcher, SoundClouds, and iTunes, and uh, we we have a lot of other things as well. Yeah, to talk I should make on. the point though. I mean, just for people, <clears throat> we're, we're now recording this on on Tuesday evening, and just to bring it up to date, um, it does seem that the situation now is that uh, Bray have indicated are now in the having said or you know this 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 debate over players being told they were free to go on, on Sunday or free to talk to other clubs rather than free to go um, the club are now trying to get some kind of stay of execution there they've given the impression to the players that uh, that on Thursday as we speak you know two days from now as we speak um, that the players that, that that the players will come in to train again and the club are, are given the impression that they may have the funds there to honour their contracts for the remainder of the season. Now the question is asked, you know, where are they getting this money from if it's not coming from their primary source? Um, have Bray somehow managed in the space of a couple of days to like generate the funds that will get them through to the end of the year? I mean, that, that would be good business if they can do it. It makes, you know, administration of a club sound very easy. Uh, sadly, my experience of this would be hugely cynical that once a club well, goes it's, down, it's not one, cynical it's realistic realistic but but once a club goes down the route of saying we don't have money to pay you uh we have these series of false dawns and okay and it it never ends well and does it end well now does it end badly you know in a month in in, in two months in six months is it next winter uh when all of a sudden the team that finishes third this year doesn't play in europe and so on, a team that's third from bottom. Like there's huge issues in terms of integrity of the overall league here. And if we have diminished Bray in the second half of the season in such a big year, what does that mean to the clubs that go down? Do we have this uncertainty across the winter over, well, are, is there going to be something going to happen around licensing time here that changes our roll call of the division for next year? It's just we've been there before. Uh, Neil Horgan is the perfect guest because he was at the centre of yeah. a club that, that qualified for Europe and, and never ended up playing in it. And um, we are we are sort of prisoners to the time gap between recording this and it's obviously gone out in air. I fully expect Bray will have signed about five or six new players by the time this goes out. It's such a crazy situation. It's it's well, not quite. It's sad. No, that, 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 will not, that, that was a joke that, by that the way. But uh, we well, do we do happen. have a lot of we do have a lot of good stuff to talk about as well. Two wins in Europe for the Irish clubs. Not so good from Derry City. And uh, we we can go over, I'll just very briefly give the results from last week. Sligo Rovers beat Charmock Rovers 1-0. Bray nil Dundalk 3, a game of two halves, one before the announcement by Bray and one after. 
Uh, draw had a nil Limerick two, and Pat's one going out won the game we were at, and. Uh, I guess the person to talk to here is Neil Horgan because, uh, you know, he's just very well versed in the calamity that is, uh, I would say, Charles Ponzi type uh, finances in the League of Ireland. Neil, it's great to have you on the show, albeit not in the best of circumstances. Yeah, it's great to be on the show anyway, guys. Yeah, we were, we've been planning to bring you on at some stage or other during the year, but... Uh, Matters just got a bit ahead of us. Like now, Neil, so. we were planning to get on, get you on to talk about uh, you know Cork's wonderful uh, run, which, which, which we will, which, which we will discuss in due course, <laughs> because obviously will. because obviously Neil Horgan can really relate to a successful Cork team, but unfortunately now we've got Neil Horgan really relating to a team that appears to be unraveling um, at Bray. Unfortunately, um, which which brings us back to your own time at Cork, and I, I guess just Neil, what's what's your impression of things from afar? Um, and, and do you see similarities in any way with this with this Bray story and Anthony you might have experienced yourself yeah I definitely see similarities I suppose you know I listened to a few of the players talking and, and saying that they were in shock and that's that's the first feeling that we felt uh, with Cork City when, when we were in similar circumstances on two occasions actually when we went into examinership and then were saved and kind of went into trouble again um, we still felt shock um, I suppose as much as people see it coming down the road, uh, you know, when you're outside of a football club, maybe, because there's been a, an element of people, you know, predicting that this would happen at Bray, and unfortunately it has happened. But when you are a player, um, you are literally just looking week to week, Friday to Friday, you're seeing results go well, and, and you actually just think everything's fine when you win the game at the weekend. Um, and so I feel, I feel a lot of sympathy for those players. You know, it's, it is very unsettling. And not just your playing career, it's just, it's just it's so unsettling overall because you, do, you don't know how to answer questions from people um, you know, around you, your family, your friends. And it was a very difficult time for us, you know. And, you know, there, there was a, I was just reading about uh, Joe Gamble when he was offered a lot of money apparently by Pats and then kind of cork matches and then went straight into examinership shortly afterwards. And... In in a sense, you you gotta have an awful lot of sympathy for the players, even though there have been you know rumours that this may or may may happen down the line or whatever. Uh, you know, you, one of the players I think was on Twitter saying it's not you know people are making a joke of it, but as a player now, you're you're what what do you do, Neil, if you're in that Bray squad? What what's your immediate kind of plan? Do you immediately look for a way out, or are you just hoping this gets sorted? I think I can only really speak from my own perspective. I suppose I, I like if I was. In my circumstances, I, I didn't really want to leave Cork. So I was a Cork player, essentially. So, you know, I, I was thinking of retiring, really, um, because I wanted to play in the Premier Division with Cork or, and I'd move on. I, I, I wasn't the kind of player who was going to move on to England. Um, so nothing in the, the League of Ireland would have interested me at that point. So you, I suppose you've a, you've a spectrum of guy, uh, choices for guys, depending on their personal circumstances. I'd imagine a lot of them, from what I'm reading are full-time pros so they'll just be looking for another club um, and I don't say just in a kind of you know a, an easy fashion it, it, it's going to be difficult for them to do so um, particularly as we all know you know budgets perhaps being spent by clubs already um, or you know assigned to be spent so it, it's a very trying time to, to just be I suppose they'll be getting on to agents and I suppose they'll be getting on to contacts and trying to find out look is this Am I going to stay in this uh, game, really, to be honest with you, in terms of making money? Um, or is this a sign that, you know, I need to go somewhere else for a more stable income? Um, because that, that, that was the kind of thing that was in my mind at the time. 
Um, and I, I certainly ended up getting out about 2009 on the basis that I couldn't really rely upon it anymore, you know, and, and, and I, I had, a, you know, as we all had, we kind of had family members helping us out and that can only go on for so long, you know. Family members um, helping you out. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, Neil, it's, it's, I mean, we, we'll see what happens, I guess. We don't know how this is going to necessarily play out. So there's an element of speculation with all of this. But what's striking, I think, from the Second City book in, in particular was it almost seemed like, I mean, you qualified for Europe that year. It almost seemed like the uh, the gallows humour, the, the stuff that was going on around the place, in some ways, did it, did it bring you closer as a group in, in a sort of a strange yeah. way? Did a bit, the bit of crisis almost galvanised you in a strange way when you, when you played? When you got I out think there. it did, Dan. I think you're right. Uh, I think it, it helped us get it. Well, the humour helped to uh, get us through that tough period. But it did. It galvanised us as a group, actually. Even still, um, like we'd be quite close to, to to the group that kind of came through that period, and and may not be as close to even the group that you know you win the league with or something yeah. like that, which is kind of unusual. But I suppose uh, you know we all I suppose went through a kind of a tough time together. Um, and as you said, you know, I, I think we had no option but to kind of nail down, you know, our own performances and, and do our best. So I like, I suppose any kind of trying circumstances, you know, in football or, or anything else that 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 shared can, can, you know, bring people together. And it certainly had that effect with us. Luckily, we kind of had that group. And now, on top of that, though, you have like, and you, you have this straight away with Bray again. Like similarities are, are all over the place, really. Um, you have your top players leaving, you know, yeah. um, and and that is, you know, the rest of you <laughs> kind of have to pick up the pieces. I don't know what's going to happen with Bray. Are, are, you know, are all their essentially League of Ireland players going to leave or not? It's uncertain at this point. But with us, it was kind of our cream left, you know, the guys who could, you know, who were going to be signed on transfer fees and, and left the rest of us to kind of fight it out. And I think that, had, you know, was we wished all the guys the best Obviously, going forward, their careers, um, it, it just meant that the rest of us, we, we were in this together and there was only one way out and that was just to, to play every week. But it may, who, who knows what's going to happen at Bray. Um, hopefully, that kind of thing could happen, I, you know, because it, it was, amongst all of it, like, as you say, Daniel, it was kind of galvanising and it was kind of a rewarding thing at the end of it when we did play our way through it. Um, but, but the flip side of that, Neil, is that that team never played in Europe because... It, it, ended, it ended at the end of the year. So, I mean, yeah. in terms of the overall health of the league, we can't really have that situation again, can we? Where it's that, that winter of... Because even there was no happy ending to your story. I mean... No, no. I mean, there was a, there was yeah, a brief right, happy actually. ending. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose when you look at those, the, 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 the broader circumstances... I can't. I don't know where the happy ending here is. Well, the, Bray, ha- the happy know. ending, to be fair, was that like Cork City is an exceptionally well-run football club now. That's the point. Yeah, you know, but absolutely. it obviously took time. But Neil, how did Bray just? How could Bray get a license? Because if just any anyone looking from the outside, the projected, uh, you know, income for the year versus the obvious outgoings on wages. I've been to the Carlisle grounds many times, and uh, many times I never remember a particularly big crowd there. Um, how can you base your projections on an envisaged increase in crowds when even the chairman spoke in Soccer Republic about possibly finishing one position better this season? To me. This is a horrific indictment of the whole licensing process. And, and ironically enough, the chairman also said, you know, the Carlisle grounds isn't even fit for a purpose. And he was almost saying, well, the, our ground isn't fit for a purpose. Was that not another thing that should be part of the whole licensing um, fiasco? Yeah. 
Yeah, I suppose the licensing thing is, is something people, you know, harp on about a lot. And uh, to be honest, yeah, I'm not entirely off air with it. But what I can tell you Neither is Neither of the people actually performed it, by the well, way. Well, I, I think what would happen with Bray is that they would have provided like a letter of... Um, We're moving somewhere a, a, else. No, or? no, a letter of comfort, a, a guarantee yeah. from... Uh, they, they would have presented to the FAI a commitment, it seems, and this is from Dennis O'Connor saying today, you know, a commitment from a certain individual that they would be willing to... If uh, they, they, no, no, that they're willing to invest X amount or, you know, mm. a certain amount of money across the period of a season. So this, oh. this is the whole point of this is the whole attendances thing seems to be a bit of a red herring to me. Okay. Um, well, what I would say, just going back on the licensing matter, like, um, from a player's point of view, it's crucially important uh, because licensing was what allowed you to get your your money at the yeah, end of the year. That's if, your protection. It was the protection, right? So that that was something that was important from a player's point of view and was good, right? But I have to say, like I I, I have seen the FAI take credit and people give credit to the FAI for licensing, and some there's some merit in that. But my understanding, Dan, you might know better than me in this, is that the licensing requirements were were brought in by UEFA across all countries. Uh, under their, you know, um, umbrella, essentially, that you have to yeah. have these licensing. And so I, I do see uh, some conflict when I see the FAI taking credit for it, bringing in licensing, when in fact they had no choice but to do that. Yeah. And, and, and it, what we're seeing here, perhaps, is that the implementation of it hasn't even, uh, you know, come up to scratch. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what does it say, Neil, that we're back here again in this discussion? Because, I mean, when you did your book, I think... You know, you, I think you remember you even you did stuff in the examiner around that time, and just generally maybe speaking about it, that, you know, you you were hoping that lessons would be learned as such. What does yeah. it say about the overall state of the game in the country here that we're that we're back here again? Because there was huge parts of your book towards the end that were very much broad, bigger picture. What, where are we going? Type stuff, and and yet here we are in what midway through twenty seventeen, having discussions that you know relate to times you remember from oh eight and oh nine. Yeah, well, very simple answer is that lessons have not been learned very clearly. I mean, that's that's patently clear, I think. And and like and you know, nobody's really surprised by that, which is probably the most alarming point to that. Um like when I looked at the Conrad report, which is one thing that, you know, was being pushed out as as uh, I don't know, some kind of uh panacea to, to the yeah. ills in the League of Ireland, it didn't it didn't deal with the issues I felt. Um, it didn't even, you know, analyse what had went wrong at Cork City. It kind of, we seemed to be brushed over at the time. And uh, I felt that was a big, you know, a big mistake, really, because, you know, obviously, if, if you want to learn and you want to move on, we can't, this can't keep happening. There needs to be, you know, some kind of analysis done of it and to come up with resolutions to say this won't happen again because this is what happened on those occasions. And I suppose what it came down to, in my opinion, at the time, and I don't think this has changed, is, was individual chairmen trying to go full-time on their own, effectively. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and like, we all want to progress the League of Ireland, okay? But I, I suppose my kind of uh, thesis, almost, <laughs> but he was... You're getting uh, there. ...kind of, you know, a rough sense, would be that um, what, what caused the problems back in 2008, 2009, 2010 was that individual chairmen on their own, in competition with each other, were attempting to go full-time um, at the clubs and pay full-time wages. And I just don't think our jurisdiction, or the nature of the League of Ireland, the, the state that it's in, that that that's that's that kind of organic. Well, well I think I think the, yeah, I think the point, Neil, and I, and I remember you you touched upon it in the book, is that you know the, 
does do you still believe in some way that 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 full-time football could be viable if operated in the correct way because the way it was done previously didn't really test the theory because it was tested in a very in a, in a very bloated manner yeah. you know in terms well, of a very chaotic things. manner yeah. you know so i think it can but it has to be planned it has you and i think it's, it's medium to long-term planning and i don't think it's it's 20 different plans for five years you know i think it's one plan from above essentially from the governing association that say okay you know full-time football it is possible here and um, because you look around at all the other jurisdictions uh, of our population uh, you can get into that argument right but i i, I i'm sure you need proper prize money though you do, you do, absolutely, you do. I, I suppose, in fairness to, to the chairman of Bray, he, he did touch upon one of the, the issues that keep, keeps coming up any time that we're looking for, I suppose, more reward for the League of Ireland clubs is that there, there seems to be a very big stadium debt. And, and, and like, I know nothing about that, really, but when that keeps coming up, it seems to be like, okay, we've sacrificed, have we sacrificed the League of Ireland for a stadium? And, and like, perhaps we have well, for, for, for a certain amount of years, you know. If if you look at Sport Nagan and the Greyhounds, you know, they invested a hell of a lot of money into Limerick Greyhound track and basically uh, the whole operation is in, in bits now and they had to sell Harris Cross. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit similar to that. But I, I, will, I will ask both of you, why are people not going to the Carlisle grounds, Dan? Why, why are they not going to watch a good side but, this season? Uh, but the problem we have, and I, I, again... I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a Bray fan. I don't live in Bray. I don't sort of live and breathe what's going on there. But, you, I mean, first of all, I do know people who are sympathetic towards Bray or would have been Bray fans or be big into the club who haven't been totally in love and impressed by this regime here as well. Why? Um, just the, Misgivings. Yeah, it's just like misgivings and not happy with the seeming plan to move away from the Carlisle grounds they're sort of skeptical about the reasons for that and uh, if you're a small club you know from a small town with a population of whatever 35,000 and you're trying to compete I mean first of all you need a united front locally so if you don't even have goodwill necessarily within your own community then you're in a Big problems. And then you're going to, you know, we talk about, we talk so much about the vision for the League of Ireland and what we want it to be. Uh, and often we speak about this notion of a community club. And a community club is something naturally that embraces all, all parts of the community. Everyone can relate to it in some way. It doesn't seem like the way that things have been conducted in Bray in the last couple of years have got people with you from the start that's a very basic problem if you don't have your core happy then how are you going to introduce new people around when they're probably experiencing and and you know noticing comments that are being made from people in the locality who, who claim they're not too impressed with the direction of the club the flip side of that is you look at the likes of say Cork and Dundalk uh, and Bose, clubs that, know, have, that, have, that have had good vibes around them I'm sure. guessing and Neil's down there I'm guessing there's a buzz around Cork City at the moment so people speak to people who are Cork hardcore and they're saying God it's great and you're trying to encourage more people to go in Bray the people who might be there hardcore haven't necessarily been that chuffed so how do you build things from that point but the point is anyway Johnny like I don't know what I think this attendance thing to analyse it in great detail is to, to miss the point really um, the, the figures are so so out of off kilter, like. that even yeah. if Bray were getting 2,000 people every week I'm still not sure that they'd be able to meet their commitments and, uh, I, I do think yeah. just to answer that as well sorry there um, go ahead Nate, that, like, I, I do think in terms of their fans and their fan base like they, they've never been uh, like in the, over the last in my experience anyway a, a, a club that is attracted you know, over 2,000 fans. And and the plans that they did, you know, come up with for the five-year plan did involve full-time football. 
I, I can't understand how that matched up. I, I, th- I thought that was reckless at the time. Um, yeah. And 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 like you know, I do think there is probably a distinction to be made in the League of Ireland. I do think it probably needs to come from above between clubs who I know this sounds kind of overly, um, I don't know what authoritarian from above, but that that there are clubs that can possibly go full time. Yeah. And there are clubs that probably shouldn't can't shouldn't certainly. And if you were to ask me at the start of the year, Bray Wanderers, no offence to them, they have a fantastic tradition and they were, they're a great club. But whether they're ready to go full-time, I would have said absolutely and not. And you look, you look at what Bows are doing with you know what's acknowledged to be a fairly prudent budget, to put it mildly, uh, punching above their weight uh, mid-table. And as, just as a Go United fan, lads, like, after you get over uh, the whole... F- farce that this comes across as my thoughts are well how does this affect Go United are Bray now going to basically lose all their games are they going to drop points are we going to have one less team to worry about what is actually going to come out of this for other clubs oh, well, I, I think it's, well, we're, we're, unfortunately we're in the realm of huge speculation and I said Neil's been through this I, I, I fear like you know the club are now saying we might have the money for the rest of the season and they're trying to tell the players to wait until later this week I uh, I, I spoke about this before you come on about Neil that just these stories don't go well once you start off with the false dawns and I, I guess players want to believe it too Neil don't they like, I guess players want to believe what they're being told even if maybe um, they, they might have mm-hmm. you know fears they, they like I, I do believe it's genuine like I saw John Sullivan I think tweeting today you know hopefully we can keep this run going and, and get yeah. to Europe and I, I don't doubt the sincerity of those thoughts but the psychology uh, anyway. of a player, you're right, Dan. I mean, the psychology of a player, they, they don't want to really be brought into that world of doubt. They want to be, uh, you know, certain of... Uh, they'll even make it up in their heads. No offence, like, yeah. I would have done so myself, that we can fight a way out of this, you know? And that, that's partly to do with just being trained to be ready on a Friday. And you're, you're going to be ready for, you know, you're going to do whatever it needs, needs be it light yourself. Yeah. to make yourself ready on a Friday to go, you know. So I, I think the players are like, in a very conflicted and difficult position. And actually, that's the exact problem, you know, that we encountered was that as much as we wanted to win every Friday, the problems that were occurring just kept knocking us down. And, and it, was a, it, was a, it was a conflict we had to live through psychologically between a club that was kind of falling down and, and, and a group that were trying to keep it afloat. Yeah, and I have to say, I have a lot of sympathy for Harry Kenny and Liam O'Brien and all the players because uh, they've just done a very good job. They've had a fine season, they've played nice football, and they'll be tested here now because, uh, you, you know, it's just, it's, I think it's very hard. I, I, you're on about the gallows humour, it's, Dan. And it's, ha- it's difficult for a manager as well, of though, course, I think. Yeah, I yeah. Think. yeah, look at how Pat Finlan managed it at Shells back in the day when it was all falling apart as well. And it... it it, it galvanised them, but like it takes a hell of a lot of uh, character from the manager. But the managers brought in some of those players mm, as well. I mean, absolutely the, on a human level, the manager would have told. The manager might have offered them the money, albeit from the budget he's been sure. given from above, and it's a it's a tough one. And yeah. uh, in 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 just in a broader sense, Neil, how how much does this knock us back with all the progress we are making? Because you know, you look at Cork and Dundalk and. Rovers won the other night. We're going to get to Europe now shortly, but this this really does knock us back, and it puts the League of Ireland in, on pages that you don't really want it to be on. Yeah, I I I think it does and it doesn't. I I don't think it really changes what is the reality. You know, in, in all honesty, I think uh, it, it can. Uh, it's obviously going to knock the integrity of the league this year, which is you know terrible, appalling, right? But 
this, this happened, you know, five, six years ago as well, you know, it, and it has happened and is is a recurring uh, event, unfortunately. And, and I suppose when, when we, we, we do have progress, you're talking about Dundalk, you're talking about Cork City, but is 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 two clubs? Is that really progress for the league? You know, and I, I do think that this is a problem. Quite honestly, that's been going on for for ninety years. You know, in terms of the, I, I suppose the, I would almost call it um, neglect of the League of Ireland, um, and it has been neglected. It has been neglected for whatever reasons. Okay, problem um, child but, and all that. Yeah, but not just in the last 10 years, you know. I, I, I wouldn't just, you know, I wouldn't point the finger squarely at the current incumbents of the FBI. I don't think that's fair either. I, I do think this is a problem. And, and, and I suppose that was part of, go back to my books again, but that was part of the reason I, I was saying that I was doing this book, to, to acknowledge there's a problem here, okay? There's a problem here, so you need, the first part of, of, of dealing with a problem, as they say, is to acknowledge there is one. And I, I do think this is a problem, that, that there doesn't seem to be the, the ability to grow in the League of Ireland safely. And, uh, it, it, but it, this, this, this hasn't occurred in the last five, ten years. This, this has been a problem for 90 years, you know? Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm quite positive for some reasons, in the sense that European money now is so good, and I'm looking at how um, sensible budgets are across the league in, in, in the most part. And, uh, you know, what, what Dundalk and Cork are now achieving um, in a sense of Cork getting big, big crowds and not paying ridiculous wages for their players. And I guess it's not a bad time to make the bridge over to what happened in Europe last week. We saw... Uh, but, the, but the flip side of that point, Johnny, I'm going to yeah. stop you there. The flip side of that is, I mean, Cork and the Dog are getting incredibly strong. Cork more so this year. Uh, we've seen what's happened in the last week. You know, Cork have signed sadlier from... Um, from Sligo um, the Dock have been able to sign Dylan Connolly albeit in sort of <laughs> odd circumstances now I think what was Dave Campbell's tweet that passed the other day how to cancel a cheque is now trending at the Dock but um, <laughs> but I, I, I think um, you know the, the problem that we have that Neil touches on is that the fact that those clubs are qualifying for Europe every single year is giving them a great platform but the problem is if you're Galway and if you're Sligo Rovers and if you're Bowes so are you now doomed to never being in the top two or three again? It's not or, as simple or, as that, though. Or, exactly, but how do you how do you catch up with them? Well, then you the do what braided. Well, that's the problem. Is the temptation is someone does what braided and and they're gone, or you have to build up slowly. But this, I mean, these two clubs now are qualifying for Europe every year. It's given them a hell of a yeah, platform. But let's okay, let's be positive, right? We've uh, we have to be honest. We don't yeah, just, yeah, we don't yeah. But let's be positive because this is obviously a very negative conversation. But in terms of where we've come such that Cork went to Tallinn and were almost like, there was a, in terms of the wagering on the match, they became heavy favourites. There was like, no, Cork are a very good side. Dominated the game. Routine victory against not that bad a team or I think were unbeaten in their own league. Champion, the jo- Champions of Ireland, I still think, should be. They should, but a few years ago, this wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been as routine. And Cork, Cork were really, really authoritative in it. Rovers went to Iceland and won. Obviously, Derry uh, lost in Midtjylland, but... You know, I, I definitely think there's progress there. I think in terms of the, the players looking at the league now, the likes of Kieran Sadlier, he'll be reporting back to England saying, this is a good league. We've, we've some really good players here. And just what did you make of the European results, Neil? Derry's yeah. re- result was more befitting a club from the Irish league uh, without trying to be um, snide or anything. But the other two guys got the job done. Yeah, I, I think Cork's result was, was brilliant. I think Rovers' result was brilliant. I, I think it... it, it 
I agree with you. I think it, it is a sign of things improving at those clubs. Absolutely. And in fairness to Derry, look, they've had an up and down this year, which a lot of it has been outside their control, so I wouldn't overly sure, judge them. Sure, sure, absolutely. But, but, but what I would say is that, and I think you're right, in, in terms of, say, Cork City beating, the, you know, Vadia Talent 2-0 away, it reminded me of a time when we were moving from a part-time club, when we were being beaten by the likes of those, you know, clubs from Lithuania or Latvia. And then when we, we became a full-time club, we were then, I suppose, in my opinion, you know, cutting the cloth where we should have been all along and beating them convincingly like we would have beaten um, a team from Lithuania 2-0 away and a, a team from um, I can't remember Iceland we would have beaten them 2-0 away actually funny enough uh, and when you got those kind of results you did feel you were on the pathway not just for, for your own club but for the league um, that things were developing for the league I just feel I think and, and I think that's hugely positive okay I, I, absolutely and I wouldn't like as much as I can see a divide, and I, I, I think there could be a divide, um, I, I wouldn't, you know, begrudge Cork City, Dundalk, Shamrock Rovers, the progress at all. And, I, and I, I would reiterate actually what John Coffey has been saying, which is that we do need people kind of leading from the top end. Sure. Um, you know, and, and hoping that the others can, can, can be supported to, to, to follow. And it's just finding a way for that to happen. But there has been certainly positive things in, in there. Because even if you go back two or three years, quite honestly it had reached a, a real low again um, after, you know, the, the, the recession and, and clubs fought, you know, everything that we went through uh, for a few years. And the coefficient in Europe would, it, would have reflected that as well. In a strange way, Neil, I mean, you were speaking earlier about the, uh, not to be authoritarian about maybe how you discussed this, but uh, in, a, in a strange way, if you were to be unbelievably positive about this, is this like weeding out one or two teams that just aren't equipped for it? And that, I know what you mean. I, actually, you know, that, that, that did cross my mind, and that's terribly. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the word for that is. It's cynical but, and it's in a strange way because yeah, I mean, it, you would it, think this. You know, Waterford might come up now. Granted, Waterford are coming up with, with, with investment backing them up, but they have more scope for potential, say, than a Bray ever would. You know, what yeah, I mean, like essentially, I, I I I see where you're coming from. The only problem is, and you you'll obviously agree with me. This Daniel is that like players are literally going through hell in the meantime, and, and you absolutely, know, yeah, that's um, the human cost for us. Um, yeah, the human cost for yeah. huge and fans, obviously, you know. So yeah, and so, uh, yeah, you shouldn't shouldn't forget the loyal brave, fa- they brave exist, followers. Yeah. They do exist, and in fairness, to John Caulfield, I have to laud him. You know, most of what he says makes a lot of sense, and uh, what he said after this debacle uh, the other day was on that note. But but before you go, Neil, um, yeah. Cork City. Surely, surely get the job done on Thursday. Yeah, I think they will. You know, having said that, I was only thinking about it the, the two games I mentioned to you there, where we, where we won two 0 away from home and played the first round of the, the equivalent of Europa League at the time. We came home and we made uh, we made hard work of it, and um, we would have lost both those games one 0 and hanging on at the death. And what you find, and, and John will no doubt well aware of this, is that a costly crowd that will be coming out uh, tomorrow. Um, will literally be on the Cork City backs <laughs> if they don't win. It'll be kind of like um, a Cork City team playing a mid-level team in the League of Ireland or below in terms of the, the, the fans' expectations. So they'll have to deal with that a little bit. If they're not, yeah. you know, if they're going down or whatever, that, that's, that's a challenge because the crowd won't be assisting them that much. To be honest with you, I, I've been there. It's, it's, it's like um, the expectations of the Cork fans are, so, are quite big and they'll be having seen a 2-0 victory away from home 
they'll be hoping for the same again. And to be honest, yeah, it's just about getting through the round, though. And uh, last question: What chance do you give Dundalk against Rosenberg next week? Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. <laughs> you see Rosenberg um, and Norway. I mean, their their coefficient, and I always go back to the coefficients. I mean, Somebody, please think of the coefficients. Yeah, yeah. but their league coefficients is something I believe in. You know, I think it's a great marker for where we are. Um, the Norwegians are twenty fifth, and we are. Um, 40 odd or so no 38 I think 38 so that's that's a bit of ground to make up obviously Rosenberg have the history as well I I think it's going to be a tough task obviously we'll all be hoping for Dundas to go through they they seem to have steadied the ship they're playing very well at the moment with all the clean sheets they've had Um, and I'll be watching it as all League of Ireland fans will be you know hoping for them to go through and and that's what's good I suppose when you're talking about the League of Ireland at the moment, we have something that's, that's because of our small nature, and, and, and this goes back to the breaking too, it, we're all actually looking out for each other in, in a certain extent. I found that I found that remarkable as well last week, because you had all these clubs wishing the Irish clubs the best from across the league, where, where, whereas we have a situation, Dan, where you basically said there, you know, Go United don't really benefit from Tuck and Cork getting stronger and getting all this European money in, but that goodwill still exists. I think it's a lovely thing. I think it always will, yeah. to a point. Because you know, we're in this battle together, in a way. In some ways, you know, yeah. We're league, still a downtrodden league, league, league of Ireland fans of rival clubs would yeah. hate to admit they have more in common than they would ever yeah. wish to admit, you know? Listen, Neil. Uh, th- t- listen, it was great having you on, and uh, oh, I- I- I'll hopefully be down Turners Cross Thursday. Might bump into you at some stage. Absolutely. Thanks for- very much, please. Not at Cheers, all, Neil. Dan. Let's let's move away from Bray and. Well, hopefully, like actually, Neil Horgan can be joined the uh, long list of guests on the show that Johnny Ward gets a photo with at their next game. They'll see, you met Owen Garvin last week. James Chambers as well. You're pretty happy with the... Uh, Chambo live, lived up to his billing as well. He was a uh, very well turned best, best dressed man in uh, in Chicor. I think Owen was unveiled subsequently. He actually hadn't been unveiled as a player, but he was wearing the Pats uh, colours on the night. And pretty obvious, yeah. But I suppose by the time you're listening to this, he'll, he'll be making his debut. Killian Brennan, did that surprise you at all, joining Pats as well? Well, uh, Liam Buckley was asked about him on Friday, um, but uh, and he didn't deny it, so I, I guess... Um, there was a big chat he was going to go back there in the off season. Ended up going to Drada, so not not a huge surprise, I have to say. It's let's talk about one. yeah. Let, let's talk about some of those signs very quickly. Kieran Sadler, that was an obvious one, and Dylan Connolly knows. Been a bit of debate. How good is Dylan Connolly going to do at Dundalk? I, I guess the question is with this is uh, the Dylan Connolly now and as good a player he is now versus the Dylan Connolly that Stephen Kenny could make him. You know, yeah, in, in I agree sense with you that, totally. That, that and the, the player that McElhenney could make Con- him Connolly, or did, Connolly you know. has a lot of potential. There was a lot of other players who have gone to Cork, were, or sorry, gone to Dundalk, sorry, under Kenny with potential. You know, it doesn't, hasn't, hasn't worked out necessarily for all of them. Um, but I mean, Daryl Horgan, when he went there, was thought to be a very good player. But after two years, you know, he was viewed as an exceptional player. Um, and I think the same could be said. Dane Massey, you know, likes players. A, likes a McMillan, who sort of had, a, had been at Sligo and, you know, had had an in-and-out reputation and, and is viewed in different terms now. Um, he's going to be big in Europe, though, others. isn't he? Well, his pace is huge. Mm. I think the dog players would say he's the quickest player they've ever played against. And uh, that's what their team has missed. And you can have a player in a, in a particular team that has loads of pace or plays counter attack and it don't stand out as much. Um, but it, but where he's, you know, you, I think you might have said this to me privately as well. Um, can you imagine sort of Patrick McElhenney sort of feeding passes through to a 
to a Connolly, knowing what he can do with his pace and so on, and technically confident players can use him. It must be said that Doc looked pretty good against Bray. It's probably their biggest win of the season, but again, you wonder. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, so yeah, does, it, does, yeah. it, does it seem as good? I, I, as it I was? think I think people people don't uh, acknowledge how much easier it's to pass a ball forward to a player who's just very quick, quick. because you can just give him so much, you know, space or whatever. Yeah, Sadler is a very good sign, and he's he's a good player. Um, but, but I think what what's going to happen here is they're going to turn Sadlier into a, a striker that Maguire is in the middle of the three because I don't think Caulfield will be too happy to change the other two. Oh, but sadly, do you reckon? I, I don't think that that's Sadlier's game from what I've seen. So about. what are they going to do then? I don't know. The question is, I know John Caulfield says that their, you know, their budget is 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 gone. I, I still would expect another striker to pop up there before the month is out. Oh, you do? Oh, I, I, I'd be surprised. Interesting. I'd be surprised if it didn't happen. Um, if not, I mean, it might be Shepard through the middle. It might be... I, I just I, 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 I'm very, sadly, very... That's not Sadlier's game. Yeah, like, but I, 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 don't, I don't think that's a problem for him. I, gen- I genuinely... He's very good I, I think he's going to be very wary of changing Julian Shepard because they're so good in that system. Now, Akeel Campion was playing, came off the bench and their three subs were involved in the second goal uh, in Talon. Great results, in fairness. And Sugar the job done Thursday. Oh, they should do. Yeah, the second goal was huge because they had like they were well on top. They were the better side, but actually played better with eleven against sorry, against eleven than they did against ten. To be honest, um, and they had that ropey spell in the second half where they could have even conceded. Although you'd always felt they were much the better side, but they were yeah much better much better in the first half than they were in the second but that the, the, that clinical nature that they've had at times in the league this year I think at a game against Pats where I saw them where they didn't play that well still won 3-0 um, so, you know the, the, the manner of that second goal real confident sort of team and how they stuck it away so that was good um, there's a few and variables the guy, of course they, sh- they should go through I'm not even going to go into it because people are just going to switch off there's a, there's a boring combination of results involving other games they might have to switch the order of their tie in the next round if they go through um, it did look like they'd be a home second it might be the other way around depending on other games um, you'd, I, I have this vision of them going through which they should and then almost Maguire and O'Connor finishing up you know with a home tie against Larnaca which is a chance to go emotional through emotional stuff be, well I mean it's such a big game and the fact Maguire and Sadly are mates uh, they'll only have a they, they were together at West Ham and he was an, an influence, uh, influential part I think sadly or claims in, 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 to in, in him going there um, even seeing them together on the pitch a couple of times would be would be good because obviously sadly could play behind a striker as well he's a very um, good player um, Ro- and uh, Rovers are letting out a few players on loan as well as 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 we speak and we're going to get about them very quickly because uh, they are the live air sport game Uh even though obviously we're doing this for air, I have to say it's great that they are showing yet another game from Europe. I want to talk You're about... You're a company De- man, Johnny. I'm a company man. I want to talk about Derry City, Dan, briefly. I, I, I was really looking forward to seeing how they would match up in Europe, albeit against a very good side. And technically, they kind of lived up to my expectations defensively. This was shocker, an Johnny. absolute horror show. This this like... <sighs> Yeah, this is not good. I mean, it's not good. I mean, the Rovers' result is very good against Sharon. We spoke about that being probably a barometer tie. I also think a big thing I must say with Derry, notwithstanding the difficult year they've had, um, for a lot of the players and this group, they hadn't been in Europe before, and sometimes you learn a lot from your first year. Now they were missing players as they well were, at the back, but sometimes you learn you learn a lot. And I mean, some of them some of them had been in Europe before when Derry were previously there. But I'm thinking of some of the other younger lads who hadn't had this experience. And we spoke about this Cork group a couple of years ago were dreadful when they played right and that was their first crack of this group in Europe so they were I'll, dreadful but they were I'll, fairly well organised I'll give them a slight I, 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 I felt watching that game 
that Dundalk and Cork could have gotten a result against Midland on a good night. Now I know it's it's saying a lot, yeah. but they they, they could they got after them at the back. They scored. They created chances. Probably should have had a penalty. Technically on the ball, they seemed pretty comfortable. But um, just such conceded a kamikaze yeah. way of approaching the game. And but it's even just basic set-piece. And they've conceded bad goals in the league in recent weeks. And the loss of European money for Derry, this sets them back a little bit now because the gap to, you know, Cork, presumably uh, they go I, through. I don't know a little that. bit. I don't know. I, I think I think still, I mean, the draw killed them in some ways. I don't they, think... They were unfortunate. The, the clubs aren't going into Europe expecting the 400 grand. They're, they know they've got the 200 when they go in. That's the bonus. Mm. They haven't got that yet. I got that late at the end of the year. That's the bonus. I mean, getting through in is huge, but... I I don't think clubs are in a position where they, you know, badly just getting there is a the thing. You're getting, getting into Europe is is the challenge. But um, I, I don't know. Like I, they they were poor, and and it, it does bring you to the depth in the league. I I think Rovers are getting their act together, and I suppose as a club, I, I'm going to stop. I'm going to they, stop you there, Derry could play a lot better than that. They can't like that. You can't say that's an acrobarometer. If 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 they can't no. defend better than that, I give up. I genuinely give up. I mean, they could have scored twenty goals, Mitterland. It was ridiculous. Derry could have scored four or five. Like if yeah. they were set up by in a different way, I genuinely think they're capable of playing a lot better than that. But maybe my Derry thing now is just becoming uh, hype. Yeah. Rovers anyway did the job in Iceland. It looked like a good trip for a hundred odd or so fans and Ronan Finn. I'm sure they're that odd. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I like the way you did that. Ronan Finn hit a rasper uh, that was saved in the first half, couple of shots on goal, and uh, here he is actually looking forward to the second leg, which is live on air on Thursday. Toy is still in the balance. Uh, we know they're a good side. Obviously, playing them last week, they uh, did a couple of chances, and we treat them with a massive amount of respect. You know, we can't come suddenly come here thinking we're um, you know automatically you know going to go through. Europe kind of brings its own um, pressure as well. You know, where this is our first kind of game, you know, at home this season, be a good crowd here. And after a good result, um, good result over there, there's going to be a bit of added pressure on us as well. We have to be able to deal with that. We have to play our passing game and, you know, go and win the tie because you can't, you know, be relying on the away goal to get you through. We've got to go and uh, play our game and win the game. And... In fairness to Ronan Finn, saying all the right things there, because this is one of those games where all of a sudden, like, uh, Sharnan maybe get a goal, and you're like, okay, well, the away goal now, they can score two, and we're in big trouble. So oh, yeah, it can get it. can get an experience for oversight as well. It can get nervy very easily. He needs to show leadership, doesn't he, in the context of so many games he's played in Europe. Oh, yeah, and it comes to the four. He's at 30 games now at this point. And, yeah, the, I mean, looking at the highlights of the game, um, they had chances, Sharnan, you know, and they have this, they've they've. Scored Scored a few goals. I think uh, I think Stephen Brady had mentioned before, and I think they were good from set pieces and stuff. So they have it in them to uh, to hurt teams. And I guess Rovers have conceded goals at bad times this year. Um, they came back and obviously lost to Sligo on Sunday. Played most of the same team actually, which I was maybe a small bit surprised by, um, given the the erstwhile uh, the aforementioned Finn was very lucky to stay in the pitch. Actually, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. I mean, I, I tipped Sligo to win that game last week, but purely on the basis that I thought it'd be an understrength draw over side. Then I saw the team that was playing. I was like, okay. Um, but the, the, the flip side is they're sort of a young enough team. They're fit enough. They're able to withstand it. Greenberg obviously didn't play because he was suspended. So um, he'll come in. And, and by all accounts, he was good last week. What um, are you expecting on Thursday? Yeah, <laughs> I'd be disappointed. I... I I'm going to be, you know, going to be optimistic and say they'll get it done and they'll get the job done and and go through. Um, because Rovers have had some real failures in Europe in the last few years, and this is like it'd be nice to well, set since, the record since 2011 straight here. and that sort of memorable run. Europe's only had 
sort of and they beat they beat Progress Niederhorn who were playing Rangers this week obviously um, but they they are you know it, it spelled the end for Stephen Kenny it spelled the end for Pat Fenlon it was like European games it was it was bad vibes for them um, but maybe they're just on, on the right way up here and and that the penny has dropped with this Rovers group at the time where the European season is kicking off. I think we had Damo, uh, we, we spoke recently about Ronan Finn here actually that this is the type, the part of the season last year where it really clicked into gear for him at Dundalk even. And you could even see in the, the bits the other day that um, he had a very interrupted start to the season, but maybe he's getting closer to a, a more fully fit Finn now. And that's a huge asset because, I mean, he was one of Dundalk's top two, three players at the business point of last season. So that's why he was such a good signing. They have a top player there in the middle and you would hope that the people around him would be energised. You would hope that the crowd comes out And he'd be out assuring as well, as well you know, because there's so many young players as well. Yeah, you would hope fair. the crowd comes out. They've yeah, got, what do you expect the, crowd-wise, Fintala? The game is televised now, so that may or may not affect You can't say it. that's a negative thing, Johnny. Yeah. Company man, never a bad <laughs> thing. That's great. Um... I, I'd hope I mean they got 5,000 people against Bowes earlier in the season there there about now there was an away support I'm not sure if to be honest this time Dublin crowd should come out I, as well I, you know, I, I, I like going to these games you'd hope to, you'd hope to be like 4,000 could come out for that game Four, yeah I'd be hoping for that, and, uh, for that. but, but, but um, they can do it they're good enough to do it so you you know you would hope that they can I really hope they do they've defended better a bit in recent weeks as well in terms of Webster and, and Lopez and uh, I think Bradley have, the rumour is Bradley's looking for possibly bringing the defender as well to add to his options well I still think they, they, they possibly need that and you can still free up I still think there will be games uh, where Lopez could be used elsewhere to sort of harangue players in midfield if needs mm. be maybe even in Europe against better opponents you might you and I optimistically that. predicted that three teams could qualify um Hopefully we'll we'll have two after well, Thursday, yeah, and, and going into Dundalk then next week, you must be really looking forward to that. Well, yeah, I think you know it's it's, it's next week's discussion in mm. many ways. I mean, Rosenberg are showing signs. Dylan of Connolly, Dundalk are showing Rosenberg are showing signs of vulnerability. They conceded three on on Monday night against Christiansund, who are one of the poorer teams in the Norwegian division. They were turning up, then went three two down. Bentner got an equaliser. They're not perfect. They are probably one of the better teams they could have played. If they played to their best and the dog played to their best, you'd still think Rosenberg should go through. But um, do you think they'll have watched the again, Patrick McAlinney goal of the season Dundalk, competition? Dundalker, yeah, possibly, and, and maybe they won't expect Dylan Connolly. Maybe they, they'll watch Dundalk, and uh, I know Dundalk playing bows Wednesday evening. Um, maybe a lot of people, but the time that, this, that we're, game, we're going along up. to that as well. Yeah. If you want to say hello, if you ha- if it's not too late, yeah. Dan, and obviously, if you're listening to this when the game is over, then that opportunity is not available yeah, to you. If you um, do see is buy us a craft beer in the bar well I'd be working yeah. maybe after oh you're working yeah, I'm yeah. working at the game but uh, maybe they won't have seen Connolly uh, I suppose you watch they may them, not have seen Pace like you it. watch you watch Dundalk on, on Friday against Bray the Clips and I mean I, I predicted Dundalk were going to win the league this year which isn't looking like the best prediction in the world but the reason for doing it was that Benson and McElhenney would really develop and learn because they were the new boys Benson in was Europe. injured for a crucial the, point the, of the season you, you know, they were the new boys in Europe last year you remember they played Bate away and they were taken both, they were both taken off at half time it's like they haven't learned or they're, they're not ready yet but at the end of the campaign they were well into it although McElhenney maybe didn't have as 
didn't have a, an amazing European campaign relative to some of the others. Um, they're clicking. I think they'll give it a good go. I think they'll give it a, a better go than I thought they might have three weeks ago where I would have been very negative about their Champions League prospects. I think they've got a chance against a team that isn't unbeatable. What, but that's, what, that's next week's what, talking point. Yeah, um, last question on that. What will their two centre-backs be? What, what are they going to, what's he going to pair for that? I'm not really Tough sure. One. Not really sure. I, I can give a great chance, actually. I just think they're clicking into gear at the well, right time. We'll see, we'll see. There's, there's, Bo, there's, so let, let, let's talk about the, the games just at the weekend as well. Bowes against Dundalk, Drogheda against Harps. Uh, the Bowes against Dundalk game is obviously Wednesday. Drogheda against Harps, Galway Night against game Limerick. Big Friday, Friday. Yeah. Well, Galway Night Limerick as well. Two big games. And then um, we've Cork against Pats and Derry against Sligo. First division... Athlone Town against Shells, Cabin Teal against Cove, UCD against Longford, Wexford uh, to travel to Waterford. Now, uh, yeah, that Drogs Harps game, to be fair, um, all, all of the eyes, I suppose, are on European combat at the moment, but uh, that is a whopper of a game. And, and Harps losing Kieran O'Connor is a major blow as well. Yeah, um, that that is bad for Harps, particularly although he, he's going to he's going to Bowes for the rest of the season. Technically going to a rival, although I think Bowes are going to be okay, you know, either way. But um, just to lose a player and then see him pop up elsewhere in a loan deal is a bit of a sickener. And it does feel a bit drawdown in Harps at this point of the season that they're the two teams, I guess, with two of the smaller budgets. And we always discuss the prospect of halfway through the year that teams going badly would strengthen. Now, Sligo are looking to strengthen and, and will strengthen. Um, St. Pat's have signed Garvin and Killian Brennan. Being around Dublin helps. Uh, Bowes too, in terms of Kieran O'Connor, as you mentioned, and others. The brave players, Paul Keegan coming home from England is an option there. Um, Drawdown Harps are the two that haven't really been in this discussion. And there is a danger that they are the two poorest in the, in the sense of just Monetary, you know, monetary uh, ability to strengthen midway through the campaign, they could be left behind. So this is a huge game for the for the both of them. Quick prediction: because at this point, they are two clubs you would you would tip them to go down. Um, the quick prediction for that one would be: do you know, I, I was way too optimistic about Drada last week. I just don't get the great vibes about Drada right now. Um, and Harps are dogged. Which is an away win for Harps. Is that a dramatic call? No, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with you. Yeah. Although I, it could be an overreaction to draw this recent uh, win. It could be an so overreaction to draw this recent You form. saw a bit of Galway United. You're going to go for an away win. Yeah, tentative Tentative away, away win. wins. Galway United, you saw a bit of Galway United against a really, really poor Pat side on Friday. And uh, we didn't look too bad, to be fair. But again, you know, we're struggling to score. And 21 games, we've fallen behind in 19 of them in the league. <laughs> That's astonishing. <laughs> I, I was, it's the first time seeing Galway this season and I thought they were quite good. I, I heard the description of the game as two per sides. It was Pats playing badly, but actually so Galway, I thought, were... Patrick Craigson's left Pats and yeah, he's gone back. He's, yeah, Craig's gone to is going to Scotland. It seems for for personal reasons, but he probably was going to be pushed out of that side anyway. Um, Galway were, were were decent, albeit um, lacking a sort of a cutting edge. And the the goal you got was a real scrappy long throw. But I just I just wonder this whole thing is there that mental block there of of going behind in games and. There was that period where they were running out of ideas about, and you're thinking, God, is are they ever going to get out of this situation? But the thing is, you got it done. Spoke to Shane Keegan afterwards, and he has. I mean, he's 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 laid the standard down for himself. He's he's given himself the 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 target that these are the home games coming up that Galway have to win. And there's a certain pressure that comes with that. And we've spoken well, we've about won that. two games. We, we've spoken about about that with Galway at times where you've had a very confidence boosting performance maybe against an away game or something, and then you bring it back. 
when you the pressure is there to win. Prediction And they haven't here. delivered in those games yet. Prediction. Um, I think you'll win games, but I'm not sure if it'll be this one. Maybe a draw. <laughs> Same every week, really. Maybe a draw. Home I think win. Limerick are starting to click a bit. Mm. Yeah, they know, are. Yeah, and they they're, they're, they're going to be a trek on forward. I'm going to go a home win, but every week we're playing in these games that really just could go either way. We played against Pats. I was. I, I met a few Pats fans after the game. Pats were playing Cork on Sunday. I thought it was the worst Pats team I'd ever seen in an individual performance. I thought they were shocking bad. And Liam Buckley seemed, I think he used the S word after the game. He was, he was pretty unhappy, but I do think then people who've watched him recently said they were very good away in Limerick. And I actually just wonder, is it the case that some of the younger players are really struggling with the, the pressures at home of being expected to win and they were sort of paralysed by fear at times. Like, Galbi were way more relaxed in the game about the situation, even though it was a bottom two. That was, that's what I found impressive, that Galbi changed their system around, you know, in terms of formation and they were just they were you know they were cool I know they ran out of ideas a bit I, I'm saying create so in terms of being creative in the second half and then the long throw just gets the you know gets the the, the old old fashioned result but Pats were just nervy and then okay there was this period of 50 minutes to go but they lack leaders and in no, fairness well, to Garvin they, and Brendan now they, that should make a huge well, difference no, they lost peers I thought the Pats were steady on the ship a bit to, 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 to win the game and then they lose peers Desmond went back to centre half and they panicked and all of a sudden, Galway were back in the game. And that is the point, really, that they don't have the characters, or they didn't have the characters on the pitch at that point. Jared Brown, who was in recently, is going to come back too, it seems. He's back in training. Yeah, that's an, and two, two guests of the show. Uh, so I, I, I think they've addressed, I think, you know, they, they should have managed that situation better 1 0. Even if they're playing badly, they couldn't manage the situation to get the win. And the players that are coming in, you would think, should be able to Do you expect Owen Garvin to kind of go into the team in Cork? He'd be playing against Garvin um, in the friendly, or is it too early? It's, it's too early to say. I think it's too early to say. I think um, I think they'll get them in as soon as possible. In some ways, do you look at Cork and, and do you write that game off in a very in a very pragmatic way? I don't think that's necessarily in their nature, but I don't know if you want to force someone into this game when you've got games coming up against teams around you in the table where you want you want everyone I, 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 think I don't know though Dan he's like 14 games or whatever oh, left and he's a quality player you probably yeah. want to get him on the pitch and you want to mm. get his minutes you know the minute count up as quickly as you can um, but at the same time you don't want to risk some kind of disaster and, by throwing someone in and this is like already. the old days Turner's Cross on a Sunday afternoon watching it on Sunday sports Jim Sherwin or whatever would be presenting us like yeah. when I was younger. You'd have to wait for like the four minutes of highlights <laughs> that night. And then... Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and then next Sunday they just wouldn't show anything at all. There'd be some GAA on or whatever it was. But uh, Cork City home win obviously Swimming. here. Swimming, um, yeah. Cork City home win. Yeah. I, I don't think... I can't see anything derailing them uh, in Europe that's going to somehow... I know we had the hangover with, 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 with Shamrock Rovers. We had a hangover. Well, no, Shamrock Rovers. I'm not suggesting the hangover. I mean, the clubs do not drink anymore. Again, they're not Irish league clubs in Europe. So... I was um, talking to a player there this week and he's had two pints this year and they were on two separate nights. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, so the European hangover that we speak of is not actually a literal one yeah. when we discuss it. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, for, for kind of slagging RT, kudos for the Soccer Republic being on earlier on the player as well. A lot of uh, people seem to go to bed point. earlier than I do when they... I mean, I mentioned European watches. results. We, we, we were joking earlier. Rangers have lost to progress neither Horn of Luxembourg tonight. That's so not progress. No, it just goes to show that we anal we analyse the, uh, the Irish results in Europe and it's, it is funny that, uh, I mean... Where are they from again? 
Uh, they're Luxembourg. They're the team that Shamrock Rovers beat a couple of years oh, ago. They are Luxembourg. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we, I mean, we can't really be too too snide because Derry the drubbing that they got. But we, we saw Scottish clubs have done badly. Haven't Scottish they? clubs have done really badly, and they're having a huge debate about your, uh, summer football now. And they're looking constantly looking at the League of Ireland. I like the way you're worried about the Iron Brew Cup as well. Oh, that, yeah. that was, a, in fairness, that was a tweet I got from someone in the midst of the Bray thing. Mm. Whatever happens to the Iron Brew yeah. Cup. It actually, I don't know what happens to it, but Pats are the next team down. <laughs> I'm not sure if all of a sudden, in the middle of a relegation battle, they're told, listen, you have to go to East Fife on Tuesday. Derry you know? City against Sligo Rovers is also on Sunday. And uh, how much is Sadlier going to? I mean, Sligo, to me, have been a pretty poor side. And any time I've watched them, Sadlier has been their best but player. But they've got a great they're result. Got, they're but they're bringing great, players in. They've got a good result mm. on Sunday. And I think this is a case of giving them the freedom and the budget to bring in others. Lee Martin has also left today. Mm-hmm. So they're clearly making room for guys to come in. Um, Rory Donnelly is someone they've looked at, who's who's played at a good level in England. They sort of left um, his club quite abruptly in April. Um so I, I and I know that Sligo are on the mix for other players too, and we'll see what happens with Bray. I know they were very, very much active in terms of looking to get some of those lads. So uh, by the time that game comes around, this picture could have uh, become a bit clearer. So again, they probably have the scope in their budget that other clubs around there don't have, and that's the problem for Drada and Harps that that Sligo are probably going to get stronger. Um, Good crowd at the showgrounds. On yeah, Sunday and, as well. and I must say, yeah, in the broader the picture we were talking about earlier, Sligo have still managed to keep a crowd um, Bows have other teams then there you know when, when Bray haven't we're not going back into that discussion again Derry of course are playing in Sligo in the meantime as well and uh, they're becoming they'll be obviously taking on Sligo then. this might be a little bit kind of tough for them after the week they've had so I don't know what's going to happen on Thursday but obviously going to get knocked out Oh yeah, and then take yeah. on Sligo. Uh, tough one to call. I'm go, I'll go for a draw here. Score draw. I think. I mean, it's not not worked out too badly for Sligo to get in two teams coming off the back of tough European games. I still think there's pride with Derry that they're going to probably have a go against a good side, and that could just leave them vulnerable. So um, I wouldn't even rule out an away win in that game. And if you had the option, if if just for argument's sake, if a Bray player does come available, do you want Gary McCabe or Aaron Green as your top preference? See, McCabe, I mean, you, I think McCabe would be the answer. But then again, McCabe is a type of player that you want to have a very specific need in your team for him, whereas Green is very versatile. So um, you can see, I mean, Green has a lot of interest because um, he can fit a lot of roles for a lot of clubs. If you bring McCabe in... Um, it will have possibly it what, have what we've team. seen with McCabe this year is that he and he, we've had him on himself speaking about it. he's really enjoyed the position that he's been playing he didn't necessarily like at Rovers he was shunted around a bit played a bit deep at times even as a holding player almost in games he's enjoyed where he's at now so if you if you're bringing him in you probably want to use him where he's most effective because he's shown this year what he can do watching watch Green it's kind of hard to know where his best position is he's just so he's such a good player really he's quick as well yeah and he's, and he's very, strong so, I mean, any, any team Around the bottom, would be glad to have him. I think, but even, but even, I know, um, I know, like he was mentioning in dispatches with Cork. I know Dundalk have have con- you know, uh, his name has been mentioned in in, in those circles too. So uh, we shall see what happens. I mean, Bray at this point are still claiming that they can try and keep all the players. Um, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll see. I think I think McCabe and Green. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned they are by far the two who will have the most options. We'd love to have you back, Aaron, in Galway, I would well imagine, anyway. You um, can't be using this show as a means to just privately encourage players to come to Galway, Johnny. Like, that's crazy. 
doing my little bit for the club, I suppose. Yeah, you know, I, I am not I, just a company man, but you're a good club man. Too. Well, I'm worried the fact that we've won two games. You know, we're we've been down the bottom three now for a fair while. Mo- the vast majority. Of I the actually season haven't seen been. you now. I'd be more optimistic of your chances. Need goals of get, get like away from it. Pori Cunningham, you know, he, sco- he scored against Rod off the bench. Scores against Pats off the bench, and if Podge can, you know, fulfil his potential, I think we'll be okay. But we shall see. He's actually injury free at the moment. That was, uh, I don't know, a rather unusual show, Dan. It's week 20. It's our 20th yeah. uh, show. Twi- so like, Time are, you for know, a celebration. Are we like Bray where we're kind of wondering, are we going to get to the end of the season? I mean, we've, got, we've actually we've got this far. It's gone okay thus far. Um, but we just hope we can avoid prices between now and, and we've the been, end. And we've been paid... Yeah, you know, that's yeah. that's crucial. We actually have been paid, you know. It's to crucial. be fair, you shouldn't have the actual uh, actually there. But um, but we'll see. We'll see what the future holds with the whole Bray thing. I, uh, I, it's it's just a bit of a downer um, that you have this potential. We always joke about the asterisks, and we always joke about well, the league table's over, and and well, what's the what's the actual league table going to be at the end? And you just have this fear we're going to end up in this horrendous debate coming, you know, October, November, that things are clear as mud. And that's what we don't want because next year is meant to be the 10-team league and the new start. Okay, last question for you. If Bray happened to basically play an under-19 team for the rest of the season, they're on 33 points, I think, right? Yeah. Could they stay up and lose all their games? Um, it's possible. I still think that the that, that fair chance of being okay, actually, which is mad. <laughs> I, I don't. I, the way things are panning out, they don't, they, I don't think everyone is going to go. I don't think that's what's going to happen. If you ask me for a prediction at this point, which I reserve my right to change and deny ever ha- expressing, I've done that a lot. That they'll, they'll lose some, and it might be gradual. Uh, I think they're going to. I think they're going to stay up on merit, provided they um, avoid any kind of points deduction. Uh, they'll probably just be okay. Thanks very much, Dan, as ever, and thanks to Neil Horgan for excellent appraisal of the situation. Uh, Neil seems to be talking about as much as much about um, how a club should be run as actual football matters. Still playing ball at a good level, of course, Dan. He as is, well. yeah. yeah. Late in the Munster Senior Cup final, and we'll see you next week for episode twenty-one. By which time Shamrock Rovers and Cork City will hopefully go through, and I will be making brazen predictions that Dundalk are going to go through against Rosenberg. Goodbye for now. <laughs>